0: broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross, and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 76 of Freight 360. We have another special episode this week and we're going to talk all about insurance. It's one of the things that a lot of brokers, whether you are a licensed broker, you're a freight agent or maybe you are just a W2 employee for a brokerage company, you may not think about it all the time but it's super super important stuff. So, we have Melt Godwin, this is senior executive sales insurance agent with TI Advisors on with us. Melt, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you today.
1: Nate, Ben, thank you so much.
0: For Absolutely.
1: The yeah. Hey,
0: give us, a, before we get into the show, just give us a little bit of a, a rundown on on what you do with TI Advisors and, you know, a little, how did you get into insurance? What is that? Oh, mean? that's a
1: great question. So, uh, we're an old trucking, fa- I come from an old trucking family. My great uncle, his name was Guy Bostic. He passed away a couple of years ago, an old Florida pioneer. Um, got into trucking back in 1953 it started with one truck, you know, the typical story. One truck, and grew his company up to over five thousand trucks. And so, yeah. you know, yeah. And so, my dad uh, got was helping him. My dad came from a law enforcement background. My dad started helping him uh, with his security and claim, with cargo claims and things like that. And and so, you know, growing up in that industry, just really influenced my life. And, and um, we ended up, my uncle ended up helping us get in the trucking industry, own some trucks. We ended up selling the business and my insurance agent, our insurance agent by the name of Fox Malden, what a great guy he is. He, he's actually still alive, lives up in the Carolinas, um, encouraged me to go get my insurance license and said, Hey, you can take that trucking knowledge that you've learned from your family and I'll teach you the risk management side and you can go out and call on all your competitors and see if you can help them um, streamline their, their operation and, you know, uh, manage risk. And so I just, uh, January, I just finished my 26th year and, and being an insurance agent, insurance broker, whatever you want to call us. And um, you know, I love what I do. I, I really love trucking, it's a very difficult industry. I get it, and you know, there's so much regulations now that we deal with, and you know, if you're not a specialist, um, I'd be very careful in entering this type of a, uh, industry. So, you know, I, I, I I'm excited that you guys reached out to me, and and I'm excited to to be a part of this call and and, yeah. and
0: help. Absolutely. And one of the things that Ben and I always do is we love to have subject matter experts on the show to talk about things that we aren't personally experts in. And insurance is definitely not something that's up my alley. And we like to have people that have credibility as well. So obviously, you you personally were able to put together the the policy that Pierce Worldwide Logistics uses. That's that's the company that I work for. And, um, you know, it, who better to to speak on behalf of insurance than the person that writes the insurance for my own company. So um, we super friendly. excited. We're going to get into some really good stuff. Um, let's do, we're going to do a little, a little sports uh, update here real quick. We typically would talk about NFL, but I don't, what's going on in the sports world right now? Like, I feel like there's, you I got some tennis. It I saw like, Serena Williams was, they're playing in like Australia or something. I don't know. Anything going around the world? Right. Not Unnormal much golf
2: wise either. I'm like, yeah, there really hasn't been much. I think the Farmers was the the tournament last weekend, the weekend before. I didn't even catch it, so I'm not I'm not even up on what happened in the PGA.
0: Melt, is everyone still riding the the Super Bowl wave right now? Oh yeah, Florida's you know Ooh,
2: Daytona all, 500. Daytona. Anyone 500. anyone catch you? Did you catch that, Melt?
1: Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I, you know, we had some bad weather; it got postponed, and so I was having trouble sleeping. Been battling the sciatic nerve and. Sure enough, I, I flipped the TV on, and there was there was the the Daytona 500. I think that finished somewhere around one o'clock in the morning. But oh, yeah, it was That's wild. a great great race, you know. And then you know Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Tampa's was all hyped up over that, so that, that was it. good stuff. And now now we go through the football draws, right? Yep. So we're yeah. in that
0: season. Yep. You got, we got a long time before we get to see more NFL. So um, yeah. baseball probably, you know, waiting to see when pitchers and catchers report and then you got spring training coming up. Wait, you know, they don't have a whole lot outlined yet for what they're going to do the last I look. So yeah. but I, I love to watch some, some baseball. So we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, cool. We got a great episode on insurance, but before we get into that, we got to mention our friends over at DAT. As always, check out the episode notes for, for links to get a free month of DAT Power Express or Trucker's Edge. So whether you're a broker or a carrier or both, you can get some free free loadboard access for a month. So they got a lot of great stuff. Go to DAT.com or just check out the episode notes. So insurance, right? It's the, it's the one thing that, in my opinion, that a lot of brokers don't tend to totally understand. They go to set up a new customer, and they might run into, uh, hey, we actually can't use you guys because you don't meet the requirements that we have in place as a, you know, as a shipping company. So, um, before we get into the different types of policies and, and recommendations, um, Mel, you mentioned risk management. And I think it's a good place to start is just insurance in a nutshell. What is it? Because, I mean, we all have car insurance, right? It's, you got to have liability insurance on your car and there's a lot of other options you can put on there like you can get your collision and your comprehensive and you can pretty much probably buy an insurance policy for just about anything. It's a matter of how much risk you want to take versus how much do you want to pay and offset that risk. So um, how would you explain insurance and in the, in the offsetting of risk to somebody that comes to you and, and has no idea when they're starting up a new brokerage or they're um, you know, looking to renew their policy?
1: Yeah, great question. So insurance is basically a contract. So you're, you're just, you're just transferring that risk or another word we use exposure to a insurance company that understands the risk that we're transferring. So we're hiring a vendor, an insurance company to take on that exposure for us. And obviously, you, you know people think insurance is the answer to everything and and oh I've got insurance that means there's coverage well not necessarily everything is contractual so just like your shipper broker carrier agreements everything you're outlining your your uh, your duties so an insurance company does the same thing they're you know they'll tell you hey I'll I'll transfer and and we'll take on that exposure that you you basically have as the as the customer, you know, the freight broker, you have these exposures or like you mentioned, your personal auto, you know, we'll, we'll take that from you and we'll, we'll shoulder that exposure for, for dollars for, and so we'll trade, you know, for a premium. And so, you know, you look at insurance, like as a pool, everybody pulls their money together. the everybody's paying in their premiums and, you know, the insurance companies take on that risk. So, from a basic insurance one hundred and one, that's it's really a contract that you enter into with an insurance company, and um, you know there's all different types of policies in the industry. So that that's what you're going to hear from me, you know, over the next forty five minutes on really what what are you buying? You know, I think
0: a- an- another thing that I, I just wanted to give clarity on is just like in the freight world, there's. Brokers and carriers, right? Insurance has a similar model too, where an insurance broker can shop the market for different companies that will actually underwrite the policy. Correct? And I and I think that. And can you can you speak to that and just kind of clarify? I'm I'm, obviously I'm not the expert. Does that sound accurate?
1: No, Nate. You know, honestly, I have my my customers and friends that are in the freight brokerage industry. I've studied their model. Our models are exactly the same. We're a broker. You guys are brokers we broker insurance, you broker freight. And, you know, we find the insurance companies and we bring them together with the motor carrier or the freight broker. So yeah, yeah, we, we actually, our margins are the same. Our, our you know, it's, it's, it is, it's interesting how uh, similar we are. Yeah,
0: Ben, you and I have often, folks that are newer to it and are like, what, you know, what is a freight broker? It's funny, we, we use the insurance example quite often. Yeah. That's
1: a great analogy. It
2: really is. It is. And I think one important takeaway too, is I always like to share the other side of this. And I think Mel, you did a really good job of kind of outlining that is all that really is, is, you know, you have one company that takes that exposure for one individual company and spreads it out over a lot of companies. right? And that's why there are particular risks. So, hey, as a trucking company, yes, you might have a small risk that something bad's going to happen, whatever that may be. Right. But if that one very bad thing that isn't very likely to happen does, it could be catastrophic for you, right? So from the insurance company standpoint of view, they just, for lack of a better example, will take a dollar from every one of these people that wants to insure against this, we'll say a million dollar risk, and Perfect. if they've got a million people that I'll give them a dollar and this only goes wrong for one of them, that's Perfect. their business model. It's Perfect. diversifying that exposure amongst a larger data set of people, other brokers and carriers, so that you can hedge against these risks that are catastrophic, but maybe not necessarily likely. Some of them are likely. And I'm going to be really anxious to hear kind of Melt kind of walk through what he thinks are the required, the likely, and the ones that we really should be insured against.
0: Yeah, and that's why I wanna I guess the first question is when you look at a broker or a carrier, like Ben, you mentioned you're you're pulling these these folks together. How do you what it what do you look at to determine somebody's risk, right? So if you're looking at like an actuarial standpoint, what makes a broker or a carrier for that matter more risky than the up you know, than another company that does the exact same thing, but maybe different size or something like that. How, how do you, wh- what kind of things is is a insurance provider looking at when they say, well, your premium is going to be this much versus the other companies?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, a typical, how do, how do we begin the process? So an underwriter, so we're their eyes and ears. We're the broker. We're, we're painting a story to an underwriter that is looking to write in this particular segment of business. So there's an application, what does the application look like? They, you know, they want they want to know who they're going to do business with. So, uh, and what does that mean? That means how much experience do you have in this industry? You know, what we call a new venture, someone that has no experience whatsoever. However, they have relationships in the marketplace that they seem uh, advantageous that they can develop and, and run a business. So that that's really the the beginning a question on any type of application, being a freight broker or a motor carrier, how much experience do you have? So from then they, it, it actually starts from that. So what, what experience do you have? Prove the experience that you have, you know, name, name some of the businesses that you do business with. You know, do you do business with Publix or Kroger or, you know, or if you truly are a new venture, that you don't have any experience. So those are the typical individuals that are gonna have a more difficult time entering into the industry on their own. So, you know, uh, Nate, like you mentioned Pierce Worldwide, a very well-established 40-year company. So, you know, getting in as a freight broker that from a recommendation standpoint that's kind of the way I would begin my career if I had to start over again is joining a an established freight broker company that has all of the the knowledge and and wherewithal to educate the new you know in, individual joining this industry which is a a fantastic industry industry yeah. You can't yeah. buy experience. You can't buy experience. And you know what? Everything we touch is is being transported by a truck, which probably had a freight broker uh, in the middle of that arrangement. So, you know, our products aren't going anywhere. So the necessity of having the experienced freight broker in our industry is a, is, is a key to everyone's success. You know, I, I you know, that some of those questions are brought up, you know, what, 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 from a freight broker perspective, uh, do we really need freight brokers in our industry? And yes, you know, that from a shipper standpoint, um, you know, they're, they're shippers, they're, they're manufacturers of product. They're not, they're not trucking companies. They're not exactly. arrangements of transportation. So, you know, like it circles back to the the whole, what, what is my role from an insurance broker? You know, motor carriers, they don't understand insurance. They hire us. Then, you know, insurance companies, they don't want to staff a full sales staff and pay and have salespeople. So they hire us to go and find customers for them. So, you know, the same uh, perspective as a freight, as a shipper, finding a freight broker, you know, finding that knowledgeable freight broker. Well, specialization,
2: so, right? It's I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, what the yeah. country's found on. That is capitalism is I do what I'm good at very well. You do what you're good at. You do what you're good at. And between right. the three of us, my yeah. cost to use your services go down, your cost to use mine goes down and we all right. benefit. Right.
1: That's it. And, and you know, to answer Nate's question is, you know, establishing your underwriting guidelines. And so, you know, doing this 26 years, I, you know, having these just very generic conversations with, uh, either established freight brokers in the industry or new venture individuals wanting to get in this industry, um, a lot a lot of the insurance companies are are going on credit now. You know, we've seen on applications. You know, what does the what does the credit scores look like for these individuals, the principals that are running the freight brokerage business? So I wanted yeah. to ask you that. Yeah.
2: Specifically, Mel, I specifically, melt I want to talk a little bit about, so, and we get a lot of these questions, obviously, people that, you know, want to forge ahead, they want to start their own business, and they want to own the profits, and, you know, they're going to start this regardless, right? So, when someone like that approaches you, what is it, I mean, I understand that from a lending perspective, my own background, like, I underwrite in a small business that person. I underwrite their credit, I underwrite their cash flow, and that human's ability, just like you said, their experience to perform the job before I lend them money, right? Now, from an insurance standpoint, what is your process? So like, I mean, just kind of take me or Nate through is if me and Nate were gonna start our business, we had no experience, what would you pull? You'd pull our credit and what would that look like?
1: Yeah, they'll they'll pull a credit and they'll ask for a business model. You know, they'll want a pro forma. They'll want to know what capital you have. You know, obviously, there's, it's different from a motor carrier perspective versus a freight broker, you know, so not so much asset. Yeah, the,
0: the amount of physical assets that you have, right? Yeah,
1: and, and and zero, really, for a freight broker perspective, yep. you don't need any assets. You know, obviously, you need a computer and a and a phone and, and, you know, you need some of the software stuff nowadays, but overall, there's not a lot of cash needed to, to enter into the freight broker side, but... You know there is some financial obligations and you know i know we're going to get into the, the surety bond requirements and some of those financial instruments you need to satisfy the fmcsa and and to actually begin trading as a freight broker so you know starting your own business is interesting and, and challenging and uh so is it difficult for an individual to go out and start a freight broker company and get insurance No, really it's not. It's, you know, it's uh, quite um, easier to be a freight broker than to be a one truck owner operator from a cash perspective.
0: Yeah. You don't have to own a truck. Right. (laughs) Right. Or have a truck payment if you're going to, you know, either lease or buy it on credit. And all the taxes
1: associated with being a motor carrier. Yeah.
0: So that brings up the, the bare bone requirement, FMCSA is going to want $75,000 either in the form, you could do a trust fund, right? If you actually have the cash, you could put it in a trust and that will satisfy the requirement. The other option is basically a a form of insurance, which is the surety bond. Right. right? So, and we've talked about what this, what the purpose of it, but it's essentially to make sure that you can, you're going to live up to your obligations to pay motor carriers when you've hired them, right? So a a carrier can file on your bond if they haven't been paid. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of times if a, if a new brokerage goes out of business, that bond gets chewed up really fast. If they had a, you know, a handful of outstanding invoices to get paid. But, um, so you mentioned you're going to look at their credit and we've always said, people say, well, how much is a bond cost? It depends, right? Depends on how worthy how, do we think you're going to pay your bills or not? And I think right. the, the credit score is probably the number one way to look at that. What about somebody that? What if they don't have a credit score? Is that is there manual underwriting or is this something where like you're pretty much just going to be screwed if you if you don't have a, a credit history?
1: Yeah. So getting back to the credit score, that the surety bond is uh, is a lender, or you know, like Ben was saying, he's, he has banking experience. That's basically what. Uh, a surety company is. They're just a lender that they're willing to take on the exposure of issuing a surety bond. However, uh, there's a lot of personal guarantees that come into play when uh, convincing a surety underwriter to issue the bond. So, you know, there's $75,000 that they're going to post on your behalf and they're going to make you complete an application. They're going to develop the pricing, what they need, to issue the bond, a uh, typical bond could cost anywhere from $1,000 up to, you know, depending on your credit score, if you have credit at all, and then what your personal assets are. So they're going to want the underwriting data, you know, credit score, assets, cash in the bank, liabilities, and then they'll determine what uh, what money they need to ultimately issue that surety bond. because. Ultimately, they're going to be responsible, but they're going to make you sign a personal guarantee. However, if you have no assets or no cash or collateral, you know they realize that they're on the hook.
0: Well, you they're can lose. I mean, someone can lose their house over that, right?
1: Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah, and they're going to come after you, you know, because you're going to personally sign the application, um, and they take that seriously. Yep. So, you know, when a when a claim occurs, and or you know, when a when a, a uh, the freight uh, cost is not Paid to the motor carrier. The motor carrier is going to file a claim the claim with a surety bond. You, you're going to get a call from the surety bond company instantly and go, "Hey, pay this."
0: Yeah, ULS. us. Yeah. Yeah, pay no
1: this. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's that's what you don't want. You know, the strikes against you as a as a freight broker because you know it can get expensive satisfying these broker bonds.
0: I, I've had uh, it's funny. So I I dealt with more more people going through bond issues than I you know that anyone would like to. They're not fun, right? Because right. A, a lot of times I've seen where a broker says uh, I'm going to short this carrier a thousand dollars because they didn't live up to their obligations, but there was no clearly defined fees or fines or deductions listed in their rate confirmation. So the carrier files on the bond. The bond company from my experience does not want a long drawn out thing. They're usually like, show me what proof you had that you're going to pay them this amount and (laughs) show me all the information. And at the end of the day, like
1: pay the money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they know they're on the hook. I mean, they've, they've, they've actually, there's a, it's the form BMC 84, I think is the number that the maturity bond files with the FMCSA. So They're basically telling the federal government, hey, I'm going to stand good for this broker, freight broker or motor carrier. Motor carrier has the same financial obligation they have to file with the federal government. They actually have a $750,000 surety, uh, basically a surety bond that, you know, um, that puts the the federal government, i.e. public, on notice that they can financially uh, be responsible for any type of damages that's done to the public. So um, yeah, it's, it. there's, there's the first layer that we all have to jump over in order to start doing business as a broker or a motor carrier.
0: Yeah. So B- BMC 84, that's the bond and then BMC 85 would be if you had the broker trust fund yep. agreement. Yeah. Um, so what's like the high end, someone that, you know, What's an expensive cost for a bond? Somebody doesn't have a whole lot of assets. They look, they look a little bit, they got moderate level of risk.
1: I mean, are we talking like 10 grand they're going to be paying or? You know what? In the 26 years I've done this, the most expensive bond that I've seen is 5,200 bucks. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's an individual that, that doesn't have much liquidity on their balance sheet. And, you know, um, yeah. I mean you're gonna sign your personal guarantee. So that's what they're they're banking on. They're gonna come after that.
0: What is the um is this is this a one time fee? Are they paying annually? How how does the bond payment work? Yeah, Nate, it's it's annual. Yeah, they they Although that can yeah, that can cost you some money. So it's a good thing to keep in mind if you're starting your own brokerage. It's it's not just a matter of if you're really smart and you can run a business. You gotta look at your assets, your liabilities, your your Payment history on it, all this stuff. I mean, there's a there's a whole lot that goes into it. So
1: there is, yeah, and it's and it's a uh, it, it's a great business to be in. But you know, that, like we've talked about in the past, uh, understanding your exposures, understanding the industry. Uh, you know, it's contractual, so having a good a transportation attorney involved in helping understand those obligations that you're you're, you're putting your name on, you know?
0: Absolutely. So let, I kind of wanted to look at some of the, the other policies that aren't necessarily absolutely required, but highly recommended as a company is going to grow as a freight brokerage is going to grow. So um, the, I, I wrote out, there's obviously a couple bullet points I had listed here. We had, you know, general liability, property, contingent cargo. I've seen contingent auto, workers comp, e and um, So talk me through someone is, let's say, you know, they, they worked as a freight broker or an agent or whatever. They've got plenty of experience. You know, they've got a decade plus. They're ready to go out and start their own shop now. Yeah. So they've got the bond in place. What, let's say they're on their own, just a one person operation. What kind of re- recommended policies would you say that someone should consider as far as offsetting their risk? They work exactly. for, we'll say they work from home, right? Yeah. They don't really, have, they don't have a big office or anything. Cause then on the flip side, after this, I want to talk about someone that has an established company with employees right. and all that, but brand new um, on their own. What kind of policies would you recommend for a, a broker that is new on their own. Yep, great question,
1: Nate. So you know, it's kind of like the FMCSA. You you have they there's a guideline that's a, you have to start and satisfy in order to do business. Um, so who who regulates that for us? Meaning us meaning a freight broker. Obviously, the shipper or wherever we're going to do business with, whoever we're going to do business with, they're gonna they're gonna pretty much dictate to us. Right, the requirements that we need. So So why is that? And I want us to
2: explain to kind of our audience why that is the case, right? Who owns the cargo and think about who is at risk if somebody doesn't do what they said they were gonna do, right? Right. It's the shipper, it's their cargo, it's That's their exactly product, right? right? So That's when right. when when Meltons talk about like, hey, we look to our customers and our shippers, the reason we're looking to them is because they technically own the cargo that your carriers will take the possession of.
1: That's right. Yeah. And it's almost like uh, uh, an insurance policy. The shippers are looking to transfer risk, you know, and they can transfer that risk to a broker. You know, we try not, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, FMCSA, the definition of a broker is, you know, arranging of transportation. So there's not a lot of exposures that we have if we're careful, if we're structuring our company carefully and, you know what? What are some of the duties that we have being a broker? Is you know vetting the motor carrier because the shipper is looking to us to make sh- you know they're hiring us to vet the motor carrier and properly pick up their product and get it delivered uh, in a in the the manner it was of, of the origin. So you know there's a lot that as time progresses that the freight broker is uh, in the supply chain. So, you know, we, we, uh, as a freight broker, we're really relied on significantly. So, you know, uh, one of those, one of those insurance policies that a shipper is going to require you to purchase is a general liability policy. And, you know, certain general liability policies cover contractual, Uh, agreements that you enter into. So having an insurance broker that understands the general liability policy and providing coverage for the freight broker uh, or a motor carrier uh, from a contractual standpoint. So there's some coverages that are available if you breach a contract that if if, if your insurance broker that you hire can successfully negotiate with an underwriter to include contractual language in that coverage. Uh, That's, that's one, one big type of. So like what,
2: can you give us an example of a contractual obligation there they've mitigated their exposure to? Like, like what's an example of that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, so a shipper requires the freight broker to enter into a sophisticated shipper, I should say. Sometimes you don't enter into an agreement, but Mm -hmm. most sophisticated shippers uh, require a, a contract for yep. a freight broker to engage in, so you know there's there's those litmus things that that you're agreeing to perform as a freight broker. So if you breach that contract, the shipper's going to come back on you, Mr. Freight Broker, and you know challenge you to make them whole. So you know that's really what a shipper's looking for in a general liability policy is to um, defense provide defense coverage for them in case there is a breach of contract. Um, and, and so how does that all begin? Um, really at the time of loss. So, you know, everything's great and peachy until a claim occurs. So what does that claim look like? It, it could look like an overturned truck. It could look like a driver uh, running or, or transposing the temperature on a bill of lading. You know, it could it could be where there's been a malfunction in the reefer unit um, where the product is outside the, the normal temperature range. So once that onion is peeled back and we start uncovering what an actual, what the claim and where it originated from, then, you know, you get lawyers involved. And, you know, when the claim is not, has not been uh, quickly settled, you know, you're, you're gonna get into a, a, a lot of issues with uh, the, these insurance policies. So you're gonna really decide at the, unfortunately, a lot of insurance companies or a lot of motor carriers or freight brokers realize that at the time of a loss is what they really, what did they really buy? And that's when it's too late. You know, in our opinion, yeah. you, guys you agree, Nate and Ben. So, maiden,
0: so you know. speaking of onions, I got a question for you. And I've told Ben this story before. Um, in the past, I worked with a company that had one of the agents, freight agents for the brokerage had a load of onions to move and it was in the wintertime. So, it required a, a reefer unit to keep it at a certain temperature to make sure it didn't get too cold. And instead of hiring a reefer, the bro- and the broker was contracted by his customer to always have the right equipment. He sent in a I think it was a vented van and had these like portable propane heaters that he told the driver to use to keep, it <laughs> to keep the trailer warm. And obviously this, you know, you do it a couple of times, you might get by, but the heaters tipped over in a couple of them. And this guy was doing, we're talking like hundreds and hundreds of loads a month. And eventually a couple of them started to tip over and they would turn off safety device. So now you've got a claim and the carrier is stating that Well, I was hired to come in with a dry van or with a vented van, and the broker told me to just put a propane heater in there. So is that the kind of contract issue that an insurance policy would – I guess liability, does that fall on the broker in that instance? And is there an insurance policy that covers like a – a crazy employee or an agent that does something just stupid like that? What does that look like?
1: <laughs> Can you ensure stupidity?
0: <laughs> I mean you, I'm sure you've had you've had more like just ridiculous situations that you've heard of in stories that you've been through, but yeah, that one just you know, I'll never
1: forget it. You know, I was you when you were telling your story, I was reminiscing. I literally thought you were gonna say a flatbed because I've seen where onions have been loaded on literally yeah. flatbeds during the winter. And I've scratched my head going, what's going on here? I've had colleagues do that.
2: I've had colleagues do every one of the things that have been mentioned in all of these stories. Um, from vented vans to flatbeds to ship and produce because they thought the temperature outside was going to be close enough and yeah. they just <laughs> didn't have any other options.
1: And you know what's interesting is, you know, we're talking about you know being accountable. And um, you know, the shipper has some accountability in that, you know, the loading docks that are loading that product on that particular piece of equipment, knowing it's snowing outside, you know, they have some accountability, but it ultimately, you know, the shipper hires the freight broker to uh, vet that motor carrier, and make sure the proper equipment does show up and, you know, is there an insurance product out there that will insure the cargo? Yeah, there is. Is there um, uh, specific language that identifies what the cargo policy covers? Absolutely. It's a contract. And I'm telling you, the insurance companies are very sophisticated. You know, they've, they've got years and years and years of data and actuarial studies that, Nate, you brought up earlier about actuarial studies, that they really know the exposures that they're insuring. And so, you know, there's just like a bond, uh, a cargo policy or a general liability policy or any insurance policy you wanna plug into this conversation that we're having is, could could be El Cheapo or could be, you know, something that is astronomically expensive that you think on the surface but then once you get and start diving into what you're actually buying, you can actually draw a, a, a difference between the pricing. Hey,
2: speaking of which, I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions and I'd like you to shed some light on that mountain that we see as this, the human beings have a tendency to correlate cost with value, right? Yeah. Throughout our lives, we think the more you pay, the better the service gets. And in a lot of instances, that's true, right? Hey, you'll get a better carrier. It's going to cost you more than the carrier that has the older truck and the less reliability. There are instances in life where this holds true, right? The one I think where it absolutely causes a lot of problems for people, and like you said, they don't find out until after the fact, which is the worst time you can find out, is it correlating the fact that your insurance guy and the fact that you pay what you feel is a lot of money is going to protect you from everything you assume that it does. And the reality is just like Melt said, The reasons that insurance companies have specific contractual language is because they know the specific risks they're insuring against. Then they pay attorneys to write an agreement to make sure that the boundaries of that risk are outlined within it so that it isn't just random. It's not, hey, let's see if this gets covered. They're like, we've told you, we've outlined this, it's written here. That's why you need to have an insurance agent you trust to let you know what you're actually covered against.
1: Wow, Ben, that's that's very well put. I, I I'm sitting here listening to you, trying to see what I can add to that. <laughs> and I mean, you did it. That's that's beautiful. And you know, it is it is the old adage that they say you get what you pay for, and especially our industry, when you know, uh, explaining this particular contract insurance policy that you're buying. And, you know, the, from our, our insurance broker standpoint, an insurance agent, having the experience and understanding on what they're actually selling, um, I, I, you know, as an insurance, as a freight broker, that's one of the things I, as a purchaser of buying insurance, if I was a freight broker, that's really, I would focus in on the knowledge of the insurance broker that you're using, the references that he brings to the table, you know what I—I mean—he can put you out of business very quickly, and yep. you know it's—it's—it is having a, a an insurance specialist and understanding transportation and the, the whole supply chain concept is is very key. You know, it's oh, it's, it's paramount. Who was yeah. it? I
2: don't know if it was FDR or or Teddy Roosevelt that said "trust but verify." Right? We do business with people we like to. Oh, Harry Truman was that one.
1: No, that's
2: true. No. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Trust, trust, but verify. And it's like, we do business with people we know, like, and trust. You likely know, like, and trust your agent from, or somebody told you, right? And that's the great starting point. I think the finish line is not there yet though. You need to verify and ask some difficult questions. Like we're talking with Melt about, ask specifically what this covers you from and ask a follow-up question. What doesn't it cover me from? What That's falls outside this
0: that could still be yeah. catastrophic? And like, give what me examples are. of what it will not cover exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and that seasoned insurance agent that has been doing this long enough, just like you freight brokers have doing long enough, you knows the exposures that you guys have. The insurance agent will clearly define, hey, just because you're buying this policy doesn't necessarily mean this is the fix all. It's not. There's a lot of exposures insurance companies do not want to take on. And it's the role of the insurance agent to explain those exposures. And it's, you know, I always reference back to a shipper, you know, oh, I've got a certificate. Everything's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, we got a certificate. We're good. right? right? Yeah. That's the farthest thing from the truth. And, you know, as a freight broker, being self, uh, from a sales perspective, you know, we talked earlier from a sales perspective, how do you make yourself different? What do you, what do you, how do you differentiate yourself? You know what, the shippers question, why should I use you? I love this. My motor cares and freight brokers. Why are you so special, Mel? Why should I do business with you? Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is obviously from a knowledge standpoint, try to differentiate myself from my competition, understanding the exposures, my references that I bring to the table. And from a freight broker standpoint, you know, Hey, I have quality insurance. I'm, I know I'm competing against the big brokers in the world, but I buy quality products. And here's the quality products that I buy. So your insurance broker, in my opinion, should be part of your team. And like I do, I actually get on the phone with shippers and the freight brokers and explain to the shippers, hey, these are the coverages that your, your freight broker that you're hiring that has. And we. this is why we're different than the typical El Cheapo policies that that you're investing in. You and know? I
2: love this. We had a great offline conversation. I want I, I, to chat about this j- just briefly is exactly what you said. Think about it from the shipper's point of view. As new brokers out there, right, what is the risk to the shipper? The risk is that your cargo is not going to get delivered, it's going to get damaged, or it's going to disappear, right? Right. One of three things, or it gets there on time. Right. And if any of those three things they're trying to avoid happens, they know that there is a likelihood that this brokerage can just shutter their business and right. open up a new one a week or two from now or a month from now, because right. that happens constantly. Now, what Melton's really done is position himself as a team or part of these freight brokers' teams so that when they get in front of a shipper and they may be newer, they can help assure that shipper that they've hedged against this risk, right? Tell us a little bit about that product you were telling Nate and I about and just how that works for some of these brokers. The ones that were, you know, maybe a little pricier but absolutely hedged against those risks.
1: Yeah, so we, we've we actually was instrumental in, in approaching an insurance company and helping tailor a specific policy that addresses all the exposures in our industry. And so, you know, obviously I have no credit in regards to drafting this policy. So I was, I'm, I'm a beneficiary of some of the guys before me that have all this knowledge in our industry. Um, so they've actually drafted and tailored a policy and we call it literally supply chain policy. And so it, it's as broad as we could actually sell this policy to a farmer We could, we could sell and and we can ensure the product. So I would just use onions, for example, since we were using onions that we could ensure the onion coming out of the ground and following it all the way until it gets to the shelf of the the grocery store. So, you know, think about that coming out of the ground, getting in a box, going in a box, getting on on the dock, getting on the dock, going into the truck, going in from the truck, you know, uh, to, to the to the forklift, DC, back to
2: another truck,
1: yeah, yeah, and then to that dock, and all. You know, there's so many moving parts into what we do, and that supply chain. We there was nobody in the industry that was taking on that. I mean, you had, literally had to buy like ten other policies to take and move that product along the supply chain. So, you know, we're seeing this particular, and the cargo industry is catching up. They're really understanding a lot of these exposures and, you know, the HACCP, you know, farm to fork concept and and understanding what we're really eating and what we're using in the cars. If you don't want to use, you know, the, the food industry with the parts industry and all these other industries that, you know, understanding the quality of the product that ends up at the end user. And actually, you know, a quick example from if you're moving uh, automobile parts, you know, there's, there's the exposure of, of damaging that particular product, let's say it's a starter, you know, an engine starter. So we're moving engine starters and we're moving them out of Alabama at the port up to Michigan. So, you know, we lose, we, we, the shipper Ford, you know, Ford hires, you know, uh, Pierce Worldwide Logistics to pick up that starter and find a freight of motor care to get that product on time. Well, you know, what's the exposure for that particular product? Warranty. You know, that product has a warranty on it. Well, we turn the load over and the starters are all damaged. Well, look at that exposure that, you know, we've lost the warranty on that product. You know, there's, there's also subsequent loss, you know, for uh, the, the Ford, Motor, Ford factory in Michigan is waiting on those starters because there's a car that needs that starter, whereas subsequent losses, now we've just disrupted the supply chain. So mm-hmm. now that we got to stop the factory workers because now we don't have the starters there. I mean, there's so many yeah. things that, that yeah. a typical insurance policy doesn't insure. And so you're going to find those exclusions in a typical insurance policy where, you know, subsequent losses is not uh, covered or a driver error is not covered. You know, we run out of fuel and, and now we're stuck in a snowstorm. You know, that, there's no coverage for that under a typical cargo policy. So, you know, there and so we address those exposures with this supply chain policy. It's not cheap because, but it, it really does provide real coverage. And, and so, I think, those are some of the selling advantages that, you know, having a uh, transportation broker, insurance broker on the phone with the shipper explaining what we do and helping a freight broker, what they do and bringing that full circle around and just doing good business. And then also entering into, uh, bringing in your transportation attorney to, to help negotiate the contract, the shipper broker motor care contract. So there's that, that you know, that's supply chain of insurance and brokerage and transportation on our side. Um, is real interesting. It's a, it, it's an interesting industry. And,
0: yeah. In I think the, the, the takeaway of the conversation is that, you know, if as a freight broker, your job is not to be an insurance expert, but to right. have, to have in your circle, someone that is right, that's a good decision to make. So there, there's two other, um, or I guess a couple of our policies, I just want to hit on really, really quick before we get to our Q and a, uh, but people often ask about contingent cargo policies and contingent auto. So, can you just, in a nutshell, high-level view, explain what those two contingent policies are and yeah. why a broker would want to have those?
1: Yeah. So, the key word is contingent. You know, so, um, we're, we're hiring, the shipper hires us to vet the motor carrier. So, n- now, uh, we find that particular motor carrier and the shippers requiring us to to buy a contingent cargo and a contingent auto policy. So contingent cargo, real simple terms, it's a contingent policy. So it's a, it's a policy that's in place that specifically talks about, uh, the coverages. And if the motor carriers policy is inferior, that the contingent contingent policy would step up. Um, so uh, the, the misnomer though, of a contingent policy, it doesn't create coverage. So the, pol- the contingent cargo policy or the contingent auto policy is what we call in our industry, a follow form. So whatever the underlying policy is. So let's say the motor carrier's The carrier is
0: gonna have the primary
1: policy. That's right. So, it, let's, so, so how would a contingent, here's maybe a good question to ask. How would a contingent cargo policy pay out? Why, what what would it cover? So with my experience, there's, there's, there's just a few typical contingent cargo policies. You know, a lot of those policies are coming out of London and there's a few domestic policies that are here in the United States, but they're all very similar written. Um, and they're cheap. Cheap meaning they're, you know, a couple thousand dollars. Uh, and why are they so cheap? Well, they're the contingent, policy. So we're relying on the motor care's underlying policy to be primary. So if that policy doesn't pay, let's say there's a a driver issue or there's, you know, those claim scenarios that we talk about. Well, if the underlying policy the primary cargo policy that a motor care has, if it doesn't pay, the contingent cargo is not going to pay. We're not creating new coverage. We're, we're, the contingent cargo policy is only going to pay it under a couple of scenarios.
0: Basically, so the, some loo- is it like some loopholes in the primary policy essentially or is it- no, no,
1: right? not even loopholes because uh, we're not going to create new coverage. The only way they're going to pay is, let's say we tender the load to the freight broker. The shipper tenders the load to the freight broker. The freight broker tenders the load to the motor carrier. So one of the vetting processes that you guys do as a freight broker is you make sure there's a certificate of insurance on file. So you, you make sure, and that's one of the, the languages or the, uh, the contractual requirements to a contingent policy is that you have a, an active insurance certificate from the motor carrier. So before you tender that load to the motor carrier, you're going to do your vetting process. So let's say, so then you tender the load and in between the time that the load is picked up to the time of the destination, something happens to his insurance policy, meaning he didn't make his payment or something or along those general lines, right? While he was and delivering. you're not notified and you weren't notified for whatever reason, the agent just didn't do his job and notify you, the freight broker that this motor carriers policy is, is no longer valid. That's when the contingent cargo policy or the contingent olive policy will step in. Very limited exposure. So, you know, when a shipper, when we see a shipper contract come across the desk and we and we go back to the insurance requirements, and we see the contingent language. We kind of chuckle because the shippers don't know what they're really requiring. And you know, it's all. And I'm not throwing stones at the 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 lawyers of our industry, but you know, it's one of the stories. And I'll be real brief. And stop me if I'm if I'm babbling. But one of the, <laughs> one, of the one of the stories is you know you go to your grandma's house for Thanksgiving and and or you go to your mother's house for Thanksgiving and, and you know, there's a ham. Well, only half of the ham is cooked. And you're like, what in the world, why? Well, my grandmother taught me how to cook this ham. We well, go to that's the house. why are you only cooking half of the ham? Well, my pan was too small. So you kind of go, huh? So you could- have you know, always done
2: it this way. That's why we're doing it today, right?
1: Ask. Yeah, right. So, you know, you, you, you kind of, and then you get the shipper on the phone and go, you know, your requirements for a contingent cargo policy why? Why are you asking for that? Well, our attorney told us this is what we need. Then you, you know, we'll ask the attorney. Well, well, what do you well, educate me? Why should I do anything different? And so that's kind of that whole mm. policy okay. that we ins- that we provide the supply chain. It actually is a primary cargo policy, so it's so much broader than the typical contingent cargo policy that a lot of the shippers are requiring. So, okay. So, so that's,
0: that's contingent. So is there a way for a broker to carry a primary policy on auto or cargo whatsoever?
1: Not on an auto standpoint, because we don't own any autos and map 21, which is a federal regulation that the, one of the administrations four or five years ago passed to help try to streamline the, the, the duties uh, and outline the duties of a shipper, outline the duties of a clearly define what a freight broker is clearly define what a motor carrier is. So map 21 is, is a great read and it's clearly defines what a freight broker is. So what, what we are not is a motor carrier and we, and we should not represent ourselves as a motor carrier. If we do, we're, we're inviting the federal government to, uh, bring some severe penalties on us as a freight broker and, and misrepresenting ourselves as a motor carrier. So one of the things that we want to be clear on is, is no, we can't provide primary auto liability coverage because we're a freight broker. And Mr. Shipper, you don't want us to provide uh, primary auto liability because now we're inviting the federal government into our business. And Mr. Shipper, if you require us to be have primary auto they're going to really ask you why you're requiring yep. a freight broker to provide this type of coverage. So when does all this come about? When the claim occurs, Yep. you know, and the onion
0: is killed back.
1: Yeah. And you know, you kill, unfortunately you kill grandma and the nine nuns. You know, we have this huge claim and all the Philadelphia lawyers show up and all these facts come about and they look and they, you know, they go to your website. What are you representing yourself as? And they look at what you're, you know, if you are a broker and you say, well, you know, we, we can deliver your product, we can control the driver, we can con- do all these controls, you're inviting yourself into the trans- the auto liability arena. And that's somewhere you don't want to be. Ask C.H. Robinson, you know, back several years ago, they had a $27 million verdict against them. Now, the Schumer case, or it's something along those lines. But they actually represented themselves as a motor carrier and the courts said, Okay, you're a motor carrier and you're controlling the driver and you have all these controls in place. Well, then we're gonna, you know, you're gonna be responsible Mm. for this claim. So you don't wanna cross that line. And let me preface, I'm not an attorney. I'm, I'm hey, we, everyone. we used that
0: same line before when we talked about legal stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you need to just like you you need to find a a very well versed freight broker. You need to find a very well versed insurance agent. You definitely need a great transportation attorney, and they're out there that understands the role of each. Shipper, broker, motor carrier makes perfect know. sense, though. I yeah. mean, when you are
2: saying you can control that and you are responsible for it, then also if something goes wrong, you have accepted liability.
1: Yep. There you go, accepting liability. That's
0: right. So, so talk to me about primary cargo, then.
1: Yeah. So this particular supply chain policy that we sell it, is we represent that to the shipper. We we would actually. Uh, we would settle the claim in advance of the motor carrier if we chose to do so and to protect your relationship with your shipper. And that's a big selling tool that we encourage our customers, our freight brokers to approach to their shippers is, listen, we really have true coverage. And and actually this primary cargo policy that we sell is 90% more broader than the motor carriers policy because the, they're, you know, like we talk about contracts, you know, and the motor carrier, you know, purchasing the, their product uh, is there's, you know, from no coverage to like as broad as policy as we have with the, and we sell a lot of this, we actually sell this cargo policy to motor carriers directly. And uh, it's a very broad policy. So, I, I
0: brought this up offline to you a couple of weeks ago, but I've seen, I, I want a comparison on that policy versus some of these, what are uh, marketed as all risk policies where um, an insurance company will give you a, basically a, the first, their policy will be the first position. If a claim occurs, they'll pay out the claim, the cargo claim, and then they will go after the carrier's insurance to try and recoup that money. And it's intended to speed up the, claims process to keep the customer happy. Um, You didn't, you seem like you weren't a big fan of that. um, When we talked about it before, how do those policies uh, compare? I think I've seen like truck stop has one called, it was called their, um, uh, I forget what it was called, but what is that? It's like, it's called trip endorsement. Okay. Cause I think they just marketed as like basically primary cargo, but you pay per load. They pay it out first as the first position and they go and try to recoup that money for the carrier.
1: Right. And just, yeah, just like we talk about, you know, what's in the contract. Well, be careful, read the policy. They can represent it being primary, but primary for what? I mean, what are you, are you taking on those additional exposures that are in the industry that, you know, on most cargo policies are excluded, you know, and I, I reference a lot of temperature issues, you know, the FSMA, Federal Safety Modernization Act that has been uh, policing the quality of the food and the, you know, the quality of the product as along the supply chain. So, you know, that that's one thing as a freight broker or a motor carrier, always ask your insurance representative, you know, do I have FSMA coverage? And, you know, a lot of these policies don't, they don't even address it. So there's, you know, they're still back in the early 1900s using that language that was established so long ago and they haven't been caught up. Mm. So those are some good questions to ask your insurance advisor. You know, do I have coverage for driver error? Do I have coverage for, here's a good one. Uh, temperature related claims. So So like a
0: reefer breakdown, right?
1: Yeah. And and so let's say your reefer doesn't break down and there's still uh, an issue with a temperature claim. So you scratch your head and go, what do you mean? Well, like an onion, you know, we loaded those onions in a dry van and the onions were frozen. So, well, wait a minute. I didn't have a temperature. I didn't have a reefer unit on that dry van. So, 90% of the policy in the industry, they're not going to cover a temperature related claim unless there's a refrigeration unit. So, you know, um, well, I've got a certificate that says refrigeration coverage, but you got a trailer that has no refrigeration unit, you know, so there's some common sense type things Mm. you have to think about. And, you know, having that expert on your side is going to help negate some of those exposures for you.
0: So yeah. yeah, that's, that, that's huge. That's a, that's a good point. I think the, I was looking over, um, Pierce's insurance certificate and just kind of looking at all the different policies on there. And, um, I always encourage people just the, the same way that you would look at a carrier's insurance certificate to make sure that they have the proper coverages to understand what's on yours and what it all means. Cause there's, there's limits, uh, there's total limits, there's limits per occurrence, there's deductibles that can be listed on there. Um, so, insurance is not just a one-size-fits-all thing. This is a, it sh- I mean, it sounds to me like it should be a tailored policy based on your specific organization, your customers, the way that you're doing business. That's I think exactly that right. Being, yeah, yeah they, they need to just take it more, I don't want to say more seriously, but take more of a, uh, give it more attention, you know.
1: Yeah, just because, you know, I've said this earlier, just because you have a certificate of insurance, that's that's the beginning of the problems, I'm yep. telling you, because that, that certificate of insurance is a misnomer. It's it's really just a piece of paper that gives a very broad overview of limits and, and effective dates and who the actual insurance carrier is. It doesn't get into the actual policy.
0: Yeah. So, the first- for a
1: shipper- yeah, for a shipper to go, well, just send me a certificate. Man, you're asking for it. You know, and any, or, yeah. or a freight broker. Here's, you know, addressing the freight broker industry. Mr. Motor Carrier, just send me a certificate. Oh, man, we're, you know, if you don't really get into the cargo piece, you know, a lot of auto liability policies are, are, are standard because of the federal government involvement you know, they're, they're really protecting the public. You know, yep. there's a, there's, there's a huge exposure out there. So obviously to, to, to take a, a product across the state line, you got to have at least $750,000 worth of coverage. And, you know, the co- Congress is actually trying to increase that to, you know, two three four million $4 million of coverage. And of course, you know, uh, the trial, trial attorneys are behind that, trying to get more dollars for claims and for their pockets. And so, you know, they're behind that, that uh, increased limit. So from a cargo perspective, that's the first way to lose a client is to have an inferior cargo policy with zero coverages, and then a claim occurs, and you telling the shipper, there's no coverage. You're gonna lose that shipper. So, you know, it comes down to dollars and cents. Right, Ben? You, you know, what you're buying. Absolutely. What you're getting do for really, every dollar you hand over, right? Yeah. Do you right. really care about your sh- customer? Do you really care about your shipper? In my mind, I kind of drill it down to a real simple, I'm a real simple guy is I look at my family. You know, I really, I, I'm a provider for my family. So then how do I provide for my family? Well, I'm providing for the shipper as well and all of those families. So I really want to buy the best product. That was deep. Yeah. You know, so do I really care about my shipper? So when I buy that policy and I tell Mr. Shipper, hey, you know what? I made a significant investment on our relationship. I'm paying $25,000 more a year because I actually have a policy that's going to pay if a cargo claim occurs. So why aren't you, Mr. Shipper, giving me your top loads because, you know, if you hire me, Selling
0: point right there.
1: Yeah. I'm going to vet that motor carrier, right? I'm going to vet that motor carrier. I'm going to make sure the motor carriers policy is, you know, something that actually provides coverage for all these exposures that we've talked about. And then not only that, but I'm going to buy something myself as a freight broker, just, just in case, you know, he doesn't fulfill his obligation and then I'm going to sell that to the shipper, and I'm going to provide differences between me and my competitors because yep. they're not doing it.
0: So there. here, here, here's the uh, here's the takeaway for the listeners. If you're a you know if you're a licensed broker that owns your own company, you are in control of of what your policy is. If you're a W two or a 1099 independent contracted agent. Understand your company's policy, but don't just think of them as an expense. They're a value add to your customer, and that's going to be a, a, a big selling point when it comes to getting additional business. Because even like no one wants to have a claim, but it, when it, when a claim comes up, if if it was handled smoothly and it was less of a headache than it normally is for your shipper, the selling point. probably you're, you're going to be a preferred person to want to work with and do more business with. Because it's inevitable. There's going to be issues that happen from you know from time to time. That's the world we live in.
1: And you know what? What's interesting is is when that claim occurs, and your shipper watching the process and watching all the issues that go about, arguing details. Well, the product was hot when we got it, or you know, all these exclusions that you can you can come up with that an adjuster will try to get out from paying a claim, and watching that that claims process go through smoothly, and then you go back to your shipper and go see. That, that's what you, that's why you're paying me. That's, I, I, that's why I'm having to increase my percentage on my brokerage percentage because I have some real costs. And then you realize that when the product ended up at Publix and it's, and it was damaged and we reimbursed you, Mr. Shipper, that it's, it's whole now. You're not, you're not left holding the bag that, you know, everybody fulfilled their obligation along the supply chain. That's why we're doing business together and yep. building that trust. Right?
2: It is. And it's it's like having and is what Nate said, you know, it's having the right team, the right specialization, the right people. And and one of the things that I know Nate and I are really excited about is some of the work we're doing with Lean Solutions. I know we've been using them for some of the some of the projects we've been working on this year. The one I'm really excited about is the website we're going to be building out that they're building out for us. Great insight and from our point of view, it's a huge value add because we're not going to hire somebody to do some of these things, but we're going to get the same level of service and the same type of product that a company twice our size is going to be able to do by being able to utilize lean for some of their solutions.
1: Yep. You know, buying an insurance policy, you know, it's a piece of paper, right? So you're really buying the people behind that paper. And I've dealt with a lot of claims adjusters in our industry and getting that person that's passionate about, their job, you know, cause they're part of our team, right? Cause we've paid money to have that claims adjuster on our side to adjust that claim in our favor and getting that adjuster on the phone and pushing back and understanding what the exposures are and understanding the claims process. That's, that's really, when you give money to insurance policy, that's really what you're buying is, is a, a quality claims adjuster. That's, and, and those guys don't get a lot of credit in our industry, but the good ones out there that I can name a few that understand Carmack amendment, you know, understand the shipper contract agreements, understand the policies that they're adjusting. That that's key. You know, like, like you're yeah. like the adjust, like the attorney, like the insurance agent, there's a, you know, there's, there's a big part of our supply chain. It goes, deeper than, you know, just on the surface of the certificate,
0: you know? Absolutely. So we got three Q&A questions here, but before we get into them, Ben, did you have any policies that you wanted Melt to cover that I didn't already hit on there? We got through a bunch. We, so we talked, obviously the bond, we talked uh, liability and, in, in, you know, all of the intricacies there, cargo, all through cargo and the ins and outs of it, Um, contingent auto. um, We talked, you know, reefer breakdowns, temperature issues. Ben, is there, am I missing anything here?
2: No, I think we covered pretty much everything.
0: Melt, is there, are we missing any policies here?
1: I can tell you stories after (laughs) stories of, of the differences in each policy. And I mean, there's, in all fairness, there's basically three, uh, what's the right word? Three foundation policies in our industry. And so, you know, if you, if you're sitting around having problems sleeping at night, get your insurance policy out. And you typically, <laughs> in the top, top right-hand corner is you'll see some codes. And that's what you'll, you, usually the first thing I ask is when I'm pulled into a, you know, a motor carrier or a freight broker, I'll ask, Hey, let me see your, let me do a coverage review. And I'll go to the top right-hand corner and I'll see those codes. So, I'll know exactly where the exclusions are and some of those things to look for in that in that particular policy. So, um, hmm. yeah, that there's, there's some homework for everybody listening. Get your policy out and ask your insurance. We're making
0: everyone smarter on this episode. This is good.
1: Yeah. And ask your insurance agent some questions, some key questions. And you know, uh, uh, yeah, you know, and see what you're really, what you're paying for.
2: And you could throw those, I'm guessing you could throw those codes right into Google search and exclusions right after and probably get a list of the common exclusions under that code.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. So, well, yeah. Cool. So, so Nate, I think, I think you've covered a lot of you know, I'm I'm big on cargo because, you know, that's really what it comes down, boils down to. So that's the majority
0: of the issues that we see. So that's, yeah. it was, it, it was worth the discussion on it. Yep. So cool. We got some, uh, some social media questions here. The first one, uh, a broker is asking, can I charge a driver, a Tonu for <laughs> not showing up or falling off a load? So to be clear, a Tonu is a truck order not used. Um, and they charge the broker for it, it doesn't go the other way around. You cannot find a carrier that was never used because they fell off of a load. It's just mark it down in the system that they gave you bad service and try not to use them again. But, uh, Ben, I think someone has that in an in a- different way last year at some point. It's
2: one of the most common questions I get yeah, from they get brokers. They get
0: mad that the carrier made them. Yeah, yeah. Made them Why
2: low. do I got to pay this and I can't pass this cost on to the guy who I committed to the load for, right? I mean, don't logically. Have to charge,
0: cu- or charge carriers, we only pay carriers. Yep. Um. All right. Uh, sales question here. So uh, this is a broker asking, how do I get out of a sales rut? I just had my best two months, but now I'm stuck. So he said he only did like, a handful of loads this month. So we all work in a sales capacity. Um my here's my answer on it. It's more of a perspective is that um we live in a as a salespeople, we live in a a cyclical type of world where you're gonna have ups and downs. And I tell people not to beat themselves up if they have a have a down month, but instead try to identify what caused that and what was in your control. Was it activity? Was it the pandemic, was it the weather? You know, you name it, right? There's things that happen outside of your control that you can't change. but what what kind of advice would you would you guys give to someone who's uh, hit a little bit of a rut in their sales cycle?
1: i, I got a, I got a real quick story, so yeah, you're, you're right, Nate. I, it's a cyclical business. Our insurance industry is the same way. Um, competition, you know, competitions yeah. out there is pretty strong. You're always competing. And, you know, 10 years ago, I, I hit a, uh, a low, from a sales perspective, I hit a low point in my life. And, of course, my father is very involved in my, my life and my family. <clears throat> and he said, uh, how's business? Business not good, Dad. What's the problem? I don't know, Dad. I'm trying to figure it out. And, of course, you know, I, I solicited a lot of trucking companies and helped them with their insurance structure. And he goes, how many trucking companies are in the USA? I'm like, I don't know, Dad. A million, a million, half a million. He goes, Well, what's your problem? You know, <laughs> get off your backside and get busy, son. Yeah, so, you know, get yourself up. No but, shortage of
0: prospects.
1: Yeah, you know what? If if you need to take a day off, okay, get your head screwed back on, get your batteries recharged, and then go again. So, and I'll uh, pick up right
2: where Melt left off. Right. So first off, if you're in a rut send me an email and reach out to me or us, right? Go to the coaching tab on our website or reach out to us on LinkedIn. But to exactly what Nate and Melt said, right? One of my favorite exercises to do with clients is reasons come before results. Yeah. When you start a job, those are really apparent. You're excited. That enthusiasm is there. It's easy to just harness that and run. You will hit a low spot. Everybody does. Motivation, as Zig Ziglar once said, it's like bathing. It wears off. You need to do it daily, that's right. And one of my favorite exercises is to just sit down and make a list of the reasons why you're doing what you do, whether it's your family, whether it's providing for them, whether it's a goal to be able to retire, go on a vacation, whatever that is, write every one of those things down and read them every day. And then on another piece of paper, write a list of all the things you're grateful for. It's hard to suffer when you're grateful. It's hard to yeah. be angry when you're grateful. And it's a lot easier to get your head clear, to be motivated on why you're really doing this to begin with.
1: That's good, Ben.
0: That's good. Awesome. Three different perspectives. I dig it. All right, last question here. And this is all about Florida. So uh, I'm curious to see what you guys have to say here. But this is a broker, you know, obviously Florida with seasonality, the rates will shift drastically based on what produce season we're in, you know, is there freight coming back out? Are you sending someone to a peninsula where they've got a deadhead to Georgia to get their next load? So the question is, what is your pitch for getting carriers to go into Florida? Seems most of them hate it. So I'm, I'm assuming this is the question is referring to the time of year when Florida is not an optimal place to go to. And as a guy that lives in New York, I pay to travel to Florida because it's nice weather, but truck drivers. uh, Yes. It's all about, you know, what's paying, what's paying what to get them to their, uh, you know, for their next load. So um, Ben, what do you think on this one? So one is it's, you're going to want to exemplify or sell the
2: loads that you have going down there. So look at the things that you have going for you. You want to, I don't want to say exaggerate them, but you want to stress those. You want to explain that maybe, hey, your shipper's a quick loader. Maybe it's a light load. Maybe it's a quick delivery, whatever the attributes are that are advantageous of that load. Those are the ones you want to, really kind of stick on and try to sell a little harder. The other things are some other tips or try to find them a loadout. Look on some load boards, jump on there, call some other brokers. The one of the things I think is the easiest but not utilized is network with some other of your peers, other brokerages, right? All of the big name brokerages work with other brokerages for this very reason. I might not have a loadout, but Nate's company might not. Melt might not, but my company might. And that happens constantly.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Mel, any thoughts on uh, getting a, no? <laughs> you no,
1: know, I, I, I hear listening, being in the room on the, you know, being a part of the the, the the committee teams on transportation, being invited in to sit on their boards and listening to the struggles of a motor carrier and the struggles of a freight broker. Yes, that is, that is, getting out of Florida is a constant struggle. Yep. Re- reaching out to your you know, your are uh, you sometimes your competitor will help you. I mean, sometimes they won't, sometimes they will building relationships outside of and helping each other really is what it's yep. all about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask. And if the answer always no.
0: If you, yeah. if you struggle to, if you struggle to understand why a carrier doesn't want to go to Florida, just look at a map, look yep. at a map, look at Miami, yep. Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, just look at, look at where they're located and where they have to drive to get out of Florida. Right. There's only right. a way to go and it, it, it just gives a perspective. And I hope everyone learned their geography in fifth grade as far as where the States are and all that good stuff. But <laughs> simple's looking at a map to put yourself in that carrier shoe. So good stuff. A lot of good takeaways on this episode. So, um, you know, if you're if you're looking to revisit your policy and um, you know wanna chat with Melt, we'll list his information down in the show notes. He's with TI advisors. Um, if you had what was it, the oh the sales rut, get get with Ben. Ben's all the, the 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 pro sales coach. Check out our the Freight360.net website, all kinds of good other podcasts that we've done, blogs, videos, a lot of good content out there. Um, if you're looking for a new home for an agency. For your agency, check us out at Pierce. Give me a shout. Um, We got our friends at DAT and Lean. That thanks to them we can keep this show going and check them out all in the all in the show notes. So any final
1: thoughts around the house here? No, guys, I can't thank thank you enough for for reaching out. I'm uh, thank you. Had a great time. I love as you can see. I love. I get passionate sometimes. Uh, You know, there is my takeaways that read your policies. They're, they're not all the same. Nothing. It, 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 it is different. The cargo policies are extremely, there's a broad difference. And if you're scratching your head going, Hey, what's the pricing? Why is that so expensive? That's the reason why you really have coverage. So challenge your insurance agent and uh, if they can't help you, I'd love to reach out and reach out to me and and or some others that that can and um, surround yourself with good people and get you a good circle of, of uh, freight brokers, Ben, and and a transportation attorney, and and uh, you know you you can build a great business in this industry for sure. That's yeah,
2: absolutely awesome. it. And I think that's the big takeaway. Like build this team with intention around you. The people you're utilizing aren't just people. You're they're not. You're just your vendors, right? Make them part of your team. Treat them like that, right? And loop them in when you maybe need some help or looking for some different ways to close some customers, right? Yep. And it, Trust, but verify. And final thought is just whether you believe you can or believe you can't,
0: you're right. And until next time, as always, go Bells. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly.
2: And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.